Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. My number one album. Big shocker to me. Also folklore. Whoa. Are you ready to dive into all things Taylor Swift? Good for a Weekend is the ultimate podcast for any Swifty. With new episodes dropping bi-monthly, as well as bonus episodes to give you real-time reactions to the latest rumors and news, it's your one-stop shop for all things T-Swift. We also love connecting with our fellow Weekenders, so be sure to connect with us on Instagram, Twitter, and or Discord to share all your Taylor thoughts. Good for a Weekend is available wherever you get your podcasts. I know. Oh, just is that like it's a perfect album consequence podcast network hello and welcome to the spark parade where i geek out with artists and entertainers about their cultural spark of inspiration i'm adam uns at spark parade on all social media Thanks so much for joining me on today's episode. I am starting my little Antipodean mini-festival. Over the next month, I will be chatting with Aussie and Kiwi artists, some absolutely spectacular ones, and I am kicking it off in style. I talked to Ghanaian-Australian musician Genesis Awusu about his spark, Kanye West's album My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Now... I've talked to a few people about Kanye, and those conversations have, for the most part, focused entirely on his music and avoided talking too much about the chaos and controversy that follow him everywhere throughout his career. This conversation leans more towards the holistic, and we didn't shy away from talking about Kanye's uh, complicated legacy. That's uh, maybe a bit of an understatement. Kofi, which is uh, Genesis Owusu's real name, Kofi is uh, really thoughtful and had a lot of great things to say about the conflict between loving Kanye's music and recognizing that he's pretty problematic. This is a really great conversation. So let's just jump right in. Quick Genesis facts. Genesis Owusu is the stage name of Kofi Owusu Ansa, a Ghanaian-Australian singer, rapper, and musician. He was born in Ghana and moved to Australia at the age of two. His wide-ranging music draws from elements of rock, hip-hop, R&B, and soul. His debut album, Smiling With No Teeth, was released earlier this year and met with universal critical acclaim. Quick My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy facts. My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy is the fifth studio album by American rapper and producer Kanye West. It was released on November 22nd, 2010 by Def Jam Recordings and Rockefeller Records, following a period of public and legal controversy for West. My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy was an immediate and widespread critical success and was named the best album of 2010 in many publications' year-end lists. Widely considered West's best album, it has ranked in several professionally curated lists as the best album of the 2010s and among the greatest of all time, according to Anami and Rolling Stone. Okay? Got it? Good. I think we should hear the interview, don't you? Here comes my chat with Genesis Owusu about my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. The first question is always, do you remember hearing this album for the first time? Kind of. Hmm. 
I feel like I listened to it for the first time very in a very inopportune way. I feel like I listened to it for the first time very fragmented. Mm. Um, I listened to it for the first time in like, I feel like a bootleg copy, like yeah. a very unofficial copy. Same. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I can't remember the first time I listened to it as a whole in its like complete package. But I have a really fond memory of listening to, I want to say Monster, um, in seventh grade uh, with my friends. And we had all timed, we had all gotten it up on our phones and we had, we were sharing earphones, there were three of us, so we were sharing it like in a circle. <laughs> and we had all got it on on our phones and i'd like been like three two one and press it at the same time so we could all have the, the same listening experience and i remember that it was like on the on the oval at the at, at my high school i have a very very vivid memory of that that is adorable by the way <laughs> um uh yeah i um i think it was the same thing with 808s and heartbreak for me that i was like the album kept like versions kept leaking but he kept tweaking it so i i had for a while i'd settled on like this version that i thought was quite good and then i'd like hear the songs on the radio and be like oh shit this isn't it's not it's he's completely changed it since then um is that yeah. the album cover on the wall behind you it is it yeah. is i've got the vinyl um one of my most prized possessions yeah yeah um this is the kind of album that i like i don't you know trying to to dig into it it's such a monumental work and it's such you know it's 11 years old but it is very clear that it's this hugely important part of of music history and of in particular of hip-hop history and you know there's so many people who describe it as the best hip-hop album ever some people say the best album ever and just all of the kind of controversy in his life, all of the shit that was swirling around him at that time. Um, and it's, it's miraculous to me that he, he was still able to produce this, this piece of work that's so expansive and, and so all-encompassing. It's so many things. Um, mm. So it's a little difficult to find a, a, a good entry point. Um, but I yeah. think, you know, that image of like, kids crowding around uh um uh headphones on a, on a playground is w one of of many kinds of things that comes to my mind in terms of people like appreciating it and really being excited about it yeah my beautiful dark twisted fantasy is probably the greatest apology of all time it's like like you're saying like all this shit that was happening around him pretty much to his own you know, by his own decisions, like the VMA Taylor Swift thing just happened. This was like the this was the greatest apology of all time. Yeah. <laughs> like no one has ever hurt my feelings and said sorry to a degree where I'm like, you know, I forgive you for the next ten years, no matter the most like the outlandish shit you say. Like he has done some crazy shit, and this album has still not been tainted for me yeah like it, it's that crazy to me yeah i mean i think another thing about this album is it was like the beginning of hmm he's making some bad decisions but in a way that was still like we all thought that beyonce should have won 
that video. Yeah. Like nobody thought that Taylor Swift had a better video. And it's just mm. saying like, uh, so, some, like something's going on. Like that is not the correct way to handle your disappointment that this has happened. And, you know, everybody kind of thought it's like, oh, his mom died and there's that stuff happening. And, you know, he's just going through a lot. And when this album came out, it was like, oh, maybe even with that stuff, it's not going to affect the work. And then that was kind of a, this album to me, at least feels like a turning point when he still made good work after this, but the terrible decisions that he were made, he was making turned from terrible decisions that everybody can say, yeah, I mean, he handled it the wrong way, but I agree with what he was saying to just like, oh my God, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> um, so, yeah. yeah, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. This album was definitely a turning point, possibly for the worst, like in what, in what is to come. Mm -hmm. um, but like the pinnacle of... I would say this this album is is the pinnacle of Kanye. I think this is the best Kanye album, mm. and one of the best albums of all time. My second favorite album of all time. I mean, now you've got to say what the first one is. Obviously, first one is "To Pimp and Butterfly" by Kendrick. Amazing. But I wanted to talk about I wanted to talk about this album specifically yeah. because I feel like as much as I love "To Pimp and Butterfly," I feel like this album is more influential to me in in more facets, like greater facets of life, like beyond music. I feel mm. like this album was a, I was, I was very young when this album came out and my older brother was into Kanye before me. And I feel like this album almost molded his personality, which in turn molded a lot of things that I, a lot of my viewpoints on the world and like how I interacted with things. So I feel like this album is like pivotal in my DNA. But yeah, that's why I wanted to talk about it. But To Pimp a Butterfly is my favorite album of all time. This is a close second though. Yeah, they're both amazing. Yeah. Um, And I think, you know, this, this album was like a, a culmination of so many different things that he had done in his career. And you can see elements of all the albums that he had made before that. And there's always been a lot of experimentation and always kind of wanting to push himself in new directions. But this was like, he had all of this power. He had all of this money. He had access to whatever he wanted. And when you read about like the process of making this album and how it's like, oh, I'm going to go to Hawaii and get away from the press and get away from all these people who are pissed off at me because of Taylor Swift. And then... Uh, I'm going to book the studios 24 hours a day. And like he slept in 90 minute increments and, you know, had like a two chefs, one to make hot food and one to make cold food. Just like, <laughs> you know, the most extravagant, eccentric, like uh, rich, powerful person stuff that you can imagine. And then pulling in, Every single famous person who's ever existed, every artist who he respects, everyone who he has ever thought about and getting everybody to come there. You know, these sessions had like people who didn't even end up on the final album who were absolutely incredible and just having this very specific work ethic. And actually, when people talk about the experience of making it, it wasn't like, oh, my God, he's crazy and it's just so intense. It was for the most part, really harmonious. Everybody was really into it and really appreciated the way that he worked. And it was just like, he wants to make the best album that he can. And he did. 
Um, so it's like taking all of that kind of the build up to it, the, 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 his entire career, his entire back catalog culminating in this. And that's without even getting into the specifics of like what the music is, which is just like these beats, the rhymes, the things that he's talking about. It's so like wide ranging. And that's why it's almost like, you know, it's not a greatest hits because it's, it's, it's all new music or it was all new music at that time. But it's like taking all of these elements from his career, all of these themes that he'd been exploring and packing them all into this one album. But it doesn't feel packed. It feels like it's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And like everything he was going through and the whole process of it, I feel like it is extremely akin to how the music sounds. Like, I feel like I can listen to Hell of a Life or Devil in a New Dress and be like, yeah, that makes sense that he had two chefs making <laughs> one for hot food, <laughs> one for cold food. Like, this sounds like he would have, like, this is the type of music. This is like super villain, rich super villain music to an extent yeah but like but like joker you know the 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 movie joker where you start like empathizing and actually getting into the villain's life Mm -hmm. kind of like that it's like yeah it's the most extravagant illustrious bright golden jewel encrusted um demon Mm -hmm. it's a jewel encrusted demon because you know like all the glaring beauty is so in your face but when you get into the nitty-gritty of it like he's still talking about his his demons he's still talking about his flaws and insecurities and that that should definitely be addressed as well i think it is i think to me personally it's a perfect album mm. it's a perfect album in not even not even for the album alone we got to talk about the rollout as well. Mm-hmm. Good Fridays. Yeah. Man, the tracks on Good Fridays as well mm-hmm. were some of like, it's better than people's album tracks. Right. And these were kind of like, I don't know, the throwaways to him or whatever. Yeah. Just like little, little tasters, you know. Yeah. A snap. Good Fridays was, was insane. Christian Dior, Denim Flow um don't look down and uh, the same vibe he was having like lupe fiasco pharrell most deaf you know all these crazy people just like on a whim mm-hmm. flying down to hawaii just to chill with kanye make some music play some basketball eat some hot and cold food from different chefs fly home what a fucking <laughs> it's it's such a trip to think about yeah 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 like you said it's 11 years old but when i listen to this album i'm like how did he do this like this is so incredible yeah and i also think like there uh, in in particular like with big pop albums you'll have writers rooms and people will you know tons of people collaborating to try and you know come up with the mathematical formula for the perfect pop hit or whatever and it's all a bit synthetic feeling and with this he's pulling in people from everywhere but there's a reason that they're coming it's not like he's getting a bunch of people in a room and just seeing what happens. He knows what he wants to happen. And he thinks that these people can do it for him. He's like, he's like a conductor and, Mm. um, you know, it's like really carefully balancing all of these parts and, you know, working and working and working to create this, this absolutely mind blowing thing. That's just, you know, it, it, I don't, I don't think it's hyperbole to say that it changed 
changed the world. It, like it changed, definitely changed music. And one review that I, I just read was um, saying that there was like a, you know, it was the 10th anniversary last year. And so they were talking about the impact of it and stuff and saying it changed music, but it did not create imitators because you can't, <laughs> it's too hard. You know, the, the, the methods that he used to try and replicate everything that he's done is impossible. And so it's not like, oh, I hear like the Neptunes have this, you know, the, uh, uh, kind of flavor to their music. And I can kind of jump on that and, 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 mm. you know, make my own version of that, steal a couple of their beats or whatever from my album that you can't do that in this situation. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And yeah, what, what you were saying was so spot on about, um, getting people in for a reason and, Almost like not not letting them not letting them be any less than what he thinks they should be either. Yeah. Like I remember reading something that Pusha T was saying about how he had to keep rewriting his verse for Runaway. Hmm. And like every time he'd show Kanye the new verse, he'd be like, We need more douchebag. It needs to be more douchebag. <laughs> so Pusha T had to go keep going back and writing a more like douchier uh, verse. <sighs> and like you know, me, when this came out, I wasn't uh, the biggest fan of, you know, Rick Ross or Nicki Minaj, but this their spots on this album have elevated them in my eyes to a degree, like way further than what I had thought of them previously. Like Nicki's verse on Monster is iconic at this point. Yeah. Um, the best Nicki verse I've ever heard. Rick Ross's verse on Devil in a New Dress, best Rick Ross verse I've ever heard. He... It feels like he really, he feels so highly of himself. It, it feels like that. And he wants everyone around him to to feel highly of themselves as well. He wants everyone to be great. Everyone yeah. around him anyway. Um, and I, I, yeah, I feel like I really feel that in the music. Time for a quick break because somebody's got to keep the lights on around here. But we'll be right back. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hey, everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks. And and that that Nikki verse is like referenced constantly as the best thing she's ever done, mm. and to think that you know as she says in the, in in that verse that she was before she had released her debut album like you know she'd put out mixtapes and stuff but she was still just becoming famous, and mm. he put her on this album and you know I don't think it's like kanye just ma- touches people with a magic wand and makes them do their best work but just like creating an environment where people are encouraged and nurtured and 
he's orchestrating it. He has an idea of what he wants to happen, but pushing someone to just produce this thing. That's like, you know, she is shitting all over Jay-Z and maybe even Kanye on that, on that track. And like, yeah, it becomes this classic, like a thing that she has to can cannot surpass. It's kind of like uh, this double-edged sword that you know her whole career is being compared to that one, one verse on this song. And there's so many moments on this album that are like that, where it's like this person never, you know, if not they never achieved that greatness again. They never did anything quite like this again. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, they need to get those two chefs back. <laughs> like they really changed, really changed the game. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. I totally agree. Totally. Like, and Kanye himself. I could. I could. You could easily make an argument that Kanye himself never surpassed this point either. Yeah. yeah. Like that was just something special about this album. Something really special. Yeah. It makes me sad. I I saw. He um, David Letterman has like a Netflix uh, chat show. I, he's. Um, do you know who he is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, he interviewed Kanye, and it was like I, I, I was kind of in two minds about whether to watch it because, like, so many interviews I've seen with him lately, it's just like he seems unwell, and he seems yeah. like he's in a really shitty place, and it's just like it feels kind of exploitative to be putting him on camera. And this mm-hmm. chat was just like he seemed really calm. He seemed really like mostly with it, and it just made me feel so sad. It was like this every album up until this point i was so excited and he would you know the new album would come out and it would be like he would push past what he had done before and Mm. like you said this is kind of the top of the mountain this is where this is like the pinnacle of everything you know all those experiences combined but then um after this album he really struggled to kind of meet that greatness again and i think part of it was like the pressure of having been told that he was the best in the world and having that kind of get fuck with his head Mm -hmm. yeah i could uh yeah i could definitely um see see that as well i think i think you can see with the next album yeezus that it it must have become much less about creating perfection and more about creating new experiences after that Mm -hmm. um because i think even he said like Twisted Fantasy isn't his favorite album just because he didn't feel like he pushed the boundaries enough. Mm. Like he, he's himself saw it as an apology album, like to the world Mm. to be like, I, you know, sorry, here's some amazing music, but it wasn't, I'm paraphrasing him, but like, it wasn't his true intentions as an artist. Like it wasn't what he wanted to be doing. He always wanted to be pushing new boundaries and stuff like that. So I feel like after this album, especially with Yeezus, he, you know, f- tried to move away from perfection and more into creating, um, yeah, like standout experiences that hadn't been, I guess, experienced on a mainstream level. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's like you said before. Even with Jesus, you can you can make some beats that sound like Jesus. Yeah. You know, at the time it was very groundbreaking and I still love that album, but you can't you can't recreate this one. Yeah. Yeah. And how am I still hearing power yeah. eleven years later on like every, you know, like car commercials, action movie trailers, like like it's really stood the test of time, this album. 
for yeah. sure. And all of the lights as well. Like yeah. everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. When you're, when you're, uh, that's a, an interesting, interesting point too. Um, because 808s and heartbreak was in that same vein where it's like, I don't care about being perfect. I don't care about giving you a big commercial hit. I'm just going to do something that you've never seen before. And it ended up being a big commercial hit, but it's like, you know, in the lead up to that album coming out, everybody's like, he is smoking crack. Like, there's no way that this is going to be good. He's going to sing like, you know, you'd heard little bits of him trying to sing in other in other uh, songs before. And it was like, he does not have a pretty voice. This is not going to be good. And then it's this whole album that's like completely auto tuned and it works. Um, And so I think it was like, you know, maybe having that experimentation feeling like he needed to make something that was not necessarily mainstream, but something that was like commercially viable to prove, uh, Mm. kind of get back in the public's good graces and then be Mm. able to say, okay, right now I'm going to go back to just pushing the boundaries. And the most important thing is to like, keep it interesting for myself. And he, I mean, it, it, for all his flaws, he has definitely kept it interesting. (laughs) 100%. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, 808s is arguably more influential than mm. Twisted Fantasy in in regards to um, music today. But but still, Twisted Fantasy is the one I always, always, always come back to. Yeah, and 808s, it's like the same thing. You can definitely emulate that sound, and people have yeah. over and over and over again. In particular, like using Auto Tune to fix janky vocals. Um, yeah, <laughs> so. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think whatever it was about, you know, I think co- being in crisis, having this moment in his life where he was dealing with all this terrible emotional stuff. I mean, and, you know, like it, he broke up with Amber Rose and there's like um, a bunch of other emotional things that were happening and it just created the conditions that allowed for this album to exist um, mm. and I think that's also, it's, it's like, it's such a personal album and, and there are so many lyrics on it that, you know, he does talk about broader themes, you know, like being racially profiled in an airport and, and those kind of things that are like things that people, other people can understand and relate to. But mm. at its core, this is an album that's really about him and his personal experiences. And, and I think that's another thing that really resonated with people too, is that it felt like not just an apology a- album, but an explanation album. Mm. yeah yeah and i feel like after this album he also got became far less relatable yeah um i feel like the themes he's talking about on this album are themes that everyone can really relate to on some level Mm -hmm. Um, you know love and you know your own insecurities and loss and grief whereas jesus is like I'm close to being a billionaire. Why won't these fashion people like me? Right. It's like, like, you know, people can't really relate to that. Yeah. Um, uh, speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I feel like, it, it, yeah, it, it was a turning point in a lot of different ways. Um, I played, I played this album to my first girlfriend mm. years ago. And we got up to blame game. We got up to the Chris Rock skit. And she didn't like it. 
<laughs> yeah. She didn't like it. She didn't like the album up until that point. And then the Chris Rock skit, like, really was like the nail in the coffin for her. And, you know, after that, I knew it wasn't going to work. <laughs> um, you know, we were kids. Um, but, yeah. you know, I knew I knew it wasn't going to work after that. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's an important, <laughs> it's an important piece of history that you have to appreciate. Yeah. In her like defense, that skit is, that skit is, <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> that skit is a lot. I remember, like, I still listen to it. I'm like, damn, this goes for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just heard it today. And it's like, wow, really yeah. leading into this. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. Incredible album. Yeah. I don't even know what else to, uh, gorgeous, gorgeous. I have to say, gorgeous is uh, Kanye's best lyrical performance ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never heard him rap like that with that kind of potent lyricism since or prior. Yeah. Or just is Kanye's best um, performance lyrically to me, I think. Yeah. Uh, even the way he starts the verses. Yeah, I've never, I've never heard him be that poetic. Penitentiary chances, the devil dances and eventually answers to the call of autumn, all them fallen. For the love of bowling, get caught with 30 rocks. The cut look like Alec Baldwin. Like, insane. Yeah. Incredible album. Yeah, yeah. And I, I like, I think, uh, I mean, I, I kind of said this before, but like have, having all of those components, like this lyrical dexterity, you know, e- even in the lightest moments of this album, the silliest moments of this album, there's like, he's still so... And I guess that's, that is really the heart of it. The reason why he's had this staying power in spite of all of the bad decisions he's made, in spite of all of the fucked up things that he's done is because he's really fucking good at it. And, you know, I don't, I don't think that he is unjustified in calling himself a genius. Mm. Um, you know, the, the things that he has done, uh, the, the, the way that he has changed again, changed the, the world of music and, and changed hip hop. And also to just like have somebody who I know he's fallen out with some people. Like, I don't think he's on good terms with like Jay-Z and, and stuff anymore. Um, but he still is, even if people don't agree with everything that he says, he's still respected because he, he has this ability. It's like, you know, being an amazing rapper, being uh, an amazing producer, finding experimenting with beats finding the most obscure samples or taking the most obscure sample from a song that everybody knows and combining all those components with all of these amazing collaborators into this mm. thing that was like yeah just error defining and yeah mm. unforgettable and the 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 point of collaboration on this album like i feel like this was the most collaborative Kanye had gotten to this point, like at this point and the best, the best, yeah, the best use of collaboration. And the he, he kind of mastered collaboration on this album, I feel um, to a point that he maybe didn't quite get to after. Mm. Like, I feel like that what we were talking about before, how everyone felt like they were there for a reason it didn't the the quality might not have transcended past this album it feels like he really he really understood 
people power on this album and mm. used it to like the highest degree and the most articulate precise degree um that he had he ever had prior or after yeah. this album yeah and i think that idea of you know being the conductor the ringmaster or whatever that he is at the center of this mm. but for somebody who at least on the surface doesn't have a lot of humility he was able to kind of I don't know if humble himself is the right word, but like thinking again about that Nikki verse saying she's the one who everybody is going to remember from this track and that's okay. <laughs> like, I just want this to be the best album that it can be. And if there are moments where other people take the spotlight and it serves the album, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Never, th never thought I'd uh, hear that from about Kanye. But yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Kanye famous cooperator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> man yeah really such an amazing album it is yeah um i feel i feel very satisfied i think we have covered much ground um do you feel good i feel good good all right um this has been great i like i i love this album so much and it's always really nice to talk about something that is um yeah i i have already have pre-programmed opinions about <laughs> um yeah so thanks a lot for this this was really great yeah it was a great conversation thanks All for right. having me thanks take care All right. See you. Bye -bye. yay i really loved that chat thanks again to kofi for talking to me genesis awusu's debut album smiling with no teeth is available to stream and download right now wherever you do those things Okay, quick update from Fantastic Fest. I watched a new Netflix teen slasher movie called There's Someone Inside Your House. Here's a little synopsis. Makani Young has moved from Hawaii to quiet small town Nebraska to live with her grandmother and finish high school, but as the countdown to graduation begins, her classmates are stalked by a killer intent on exposing their darkest secrets to the entire town, terrorizing victims while wearing a lifelike mask of their own face. Uh, I thought this movie was fine. Uh, I don't think it's going to change anyone's life, but it was thoroughly entertaining and has a solid cast. So overall, I'd say it's worth watching if you like I Know What You Did Last Summer style horror movies. If you'd like to give it a go, it's uh, going to hit Netflix on Thursday, October 7th. And that's about it from me. One last little reminder. The first Spark Parade live show is tonight at Come On Everybody in Brooklyn. It is free and it's going to be fun. Doors are at 7, showtime is at 7.30, and I've got some great guests lined up for you, including drag superstar Neon Calypso. It's going to be great. So join me if you're in New York. Other than that, stay safe, stay sane, stay sweet and kind. And until next time, bye! What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.